and welcome to another episode of Baseball Talk. Uh, we got a good show lined up for you today, and uh, we're getting ready to get into it. Uh, as always, I'm Paul Hillier, along with Steve Fitzsimmons and Andy Clark, and today we have a special guest on the phone with us, coming from, I believe, Florida, uh, former Blue Jay Rob Ducey. And Rob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Nice. Yeah, so uh, for our viewers and listeners there, uh, Rob Ducey, uh, first guy ever to play for the Blue Jays, the Expos, and our national team, and only three other people have done that, and uh, currently uh, uh, a hitting instructor in the Philadelphia Philly system. So uh, how's it going down there, uh, Rob? It's been it's been a very trying year for us. Uh, we've actually promoted quite a few guys uh, to double-A. So uh, guys have have progressed very well, but uh, we're kind of, our backs are kind of against uh, against the wall. We're actually playing against the uh, Dunedin Blue Jays the next four days. We're four games out, so we have to sweep them to uh, uh, move on to the playoffs. Move on to the playoffs. Now, in your role as a batting instructor, I wanted to ask you. Uh, what kind of things uh, with the players coming into the pros? What kind of things do you have them focus on, and uh, are there any things you you find you consistently have to steer young batters away from? Uh, it's a combination of of a few different things, whether it's the, the mechanical part of of their swing that uh, needs to be adjusted, or the mental approach, uh, the the planning and and executing of of a, a plan at the plate. Uh, so there's a combination of the two, depending on each each individual hitting. Now, Rob, uh, you were born in Toronto, but raised in Cambridge, and I was born in Cambridge and raised slightly elsewhere. But uh, I lived there till I was uh, almost 13 and played uh, Preston minor ball. And I know you're well familiar with that. And I actually played with Jason Gooding, who you might know as well. It played uh, up to Double A, but uh, you were a guy that we looked up to at that time, and. Uh, you sign with the Toronto Blue Jays as a free agent, and for a guy that uh, is from Ontario to, to sign with Canada's team, it must have been quite a thrill to to become part of that organization at that time. Oh, there's no question. Uh, uh, they were uh, no no doubt uh, one of the best teams in all of baseball at, at the time, and uh, I was very, very fortunate to be a part of that, uh, uh, being able to play with uh, George Bell, Barfield, Mosby, uh, Ernie Witt. Actually, Ernie is one of our our, our traveling coordinators. He's a catching coordinator for the Phillies. Uh, so I get a chance to see with uh, be with him quite often. Uh, Pat Bo- uh, Borders is also a uh, coach in our system. Uh, so we, we do have a, a strong Blue Jay uh, roots here uh, with the Phillies, with Pat Gillick, uh, obviously being a, a huge part of the organization. Rob, when we look back at that outfield you just mentioned, uh, a trio of phenomenal ball players, uh, Bell, Barfield, and Mosby. I mean, it made it tough for you to break in uh, behind those guys. Oh, there's no question. Uh, it wasn't just them. It was the, the whole Blue Jay organization. Uh, arguably, you know, one of the best teams in in all of major league sports and. Um, I was very, very fortunate. Really, really good players uh, that I, I came up with uh, and had to compete against, and I was just very, very fortunate. Even even at the rookie ball level, with Eric Yelding, Daryl Landrum, Brian Morrison, uh, names like that that uh, maybe some some people have heard of, maybe some people haven't, but 
just very, very talented uh, players. Now, Rob, uh, as a Canadian, uh, not being able to play baseball year-round, at least in Canada, I know you went to Seminole Community College in Sanford, Florida, but did you find there was a learning curve just in trying to catch up maybe to the U.S. guys that uh, that were able to play you know, year-round? Oh, there's no question that there was a learning curve. Uh, it was a, a crash course in in what you you honestly didn't know about playing the game. But fortunately enough for me, uh, we had uh, coaching staff that were very patient and uh, just allowed you to go out and play and, and learn as, as you go. You, you uh, uh, almost trial and error and uh, you, you figured out what, what uh, the best way for you to get from A to B was. And uh, I think patience is a huge part of uh, that learning curve. And if uh, coaches don't have that, that type of patience, it's really difficult uh, to get the finished product. Uh, and not everyone is on your timetable, so you really have to have patience with them. And fortunately enough for me, the Blue Jays had patience. That, that they did. I mean, they've had a lot of uh, interesting uh, situations, but especially in the last couple of years with some players that are maybe doing more than they thought they could do, and then maybe some of them are doing a little less, especially this year, than what they thought. Um, you had a couple of interesting situations. Uh, your first big league home run was uh, against Baltimore and, uh, in 87, and that was a special day for a lot of us fans as well as the team itself, hitting 10 home runs that day, and that's never, ever been matched. Um Going back to your first game with the Blue Jays, do you have any thoughts on uh, your feelings for that and what it was like coming out to the crowd in that first game for you? <laughs> well, obviously, it was a tremendous uh, uh, feeling for me. It was a, a, uh, a, a not necessarily a lifelong dream, but a, a dream that uh, had developed over time. Uh, as I, I grew up, I, I didn't imagine myself being a major league baseball player uh, i know that a lot of kids in in the u.s grew, grew up uh wanting to play in the big leagues that really wasn't a, a goal for, of mine when i was growing up i played fast pitch softball till i was 15 and then split uh, uh a summer uh, with fast pitch and and uh, baseball when i was 16 was my first full year of uh, baseball it was uh, i played uh, midget, junior, and senior all in the same summer and kind of really uh, uh, fell in love with, this, with the game. Um, but as far as the, the actual first game, uh, I got a three standing ovations. Uh, I was the first Toronto-born player ever to play for the Blue Jays, so I was kind of uh, pretty intimidating you know, as a young player. I think I was still 21 years old. Uh, I hadn't turned 22 yet, and it was it was uh, it was different. It was a warm memory. Uh, I don't know whether I was emotionally ready for that because uh, the Blue Jays were good at that time, and and it was it was a little bit overwhelming. I wish I was a little bit more mature when I got that opportunity. I, I, maybe I could have taken advantage of it a little bit more than I did. It's interesting uh, that you say that because a few weeks ago we had uh, former major leaguer Joe Borchard on, and uh, he actually raised some of the same sentiments that uh, when he broke in, it was all happening so fast. And he said, looking back now, he would have liked to have just taken it all in because it, it was pretty overwhelming in a lot of ways. 
Now, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, the 2004 Olympics. You got to represent our uh, fine nation uh, in baseball and that. So what was that experience like? Uh, obviously, the, the stage was, is a worldwide stage and totally different than Major League Baseball. Uh, I got a chance to, I think, the, the, the opening ceremonies being part of it, uh, uh, you don't really understand the 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 true uh, gravity of the whole situation but uh, looking back and, and for me just sitting in the uh, the eating uh, room or not necessarily room it wasn't a room it was a big like convention center that uh, uh, served the athletes meals and I would just watch the athletes and, and be in awe of, of you know just you know what what they look like and and uh, there was uh, three foot eight gymnasts to seven foot uh, volleyball players. I mean, it was just incredible. I got a chance to sit at, at the same table as the Jamaican uh, track and field team, and they won all the gold medals at, at that year. So I was in awe of, of the athletes, the, the true athletes uh, of, of our world. Did you enjoy that experience more as a player or when you went back as a coach in 08? Uh, it was different. I think I enjoyed it more as a player, is uh, that you know, as, as a coach, uh, I, I I was an Olympian as a coach, but uh, uh, when you're an Olympian as a participant, as a, as a player, uh, it's, it's a different feeling. Now, Rob, uh, you had uh, 31 career home runs. Interestingly enough, two of them against Hall of Famer Mike Messina, and uh, you obviously had good success. Uh, against a guy that was awful tough to, to, to get a hit off of? Well, those were the guys that I, I had to play against. Um, I, I, uh, we have a, a somewhat of a ritual uh, with our staff in Clearwater. When guys, uh, when scouts come in or, or other uh, coaches come in uh, uh, with the organization, uh, they come into the clubhouse and we pull up their stats and we, we uh, you know, we kind of, uh, rip each other a little bit and say, "Hey, you weren't that good." And all of a sudden, now you know you you, uh, you know you're telling players that you're you know that they stink. Uh, <laughs> so we have a little game going on, and uh, we have a chance to pull up who you you faced a lot, and uh, the guys that are at the top of my list are are, are pretty good players, some pretty good right-handed pitchers, and you know with Clev- uh, uh, Roger Clemens and. Uh, Kevin Brown, uh, uh, I think Musina, guys like that are the guys that I had to face a lot because either they put, pitched on Sunday and I would play on Sunday day games or uh, the manager would give a right-handed hitter a day off and I got a chance to play against you know those guys. So uh, those were the guys you had to face. And that's kind of the way it was. Uh, you had to, if you wanted to stay, you had to compete and, and uh, uh, perform against them. And compete you did, and I'll throw another name out there. Uh, you had seven career plate appearances against the legendary fireballer Nolan Ryan and a 571 on base percentage. You had one hit and three walks. Pretty good, pretty good stats against a, a pretty tough guy. What was that like uh, to face such an intimidating force as uh, Nolan Ryan and a legend, really? Uh, you know what? I, I think that if if you get caught up in in the awe of it, uh, you 
you literally don't have a chance. So you have to really focus and tell yourself that you're better than them on that particular day, even though you know the, the stats don't say that you're not, or or everyone in the world knows that you know you're 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 not on the same uh, level as as those guys. But if if you go in there think that way then you have no no chance to compete against them so i used to just feel like i was better than everybody on the field and you know and see what happens uh the intimidation factor really wasn't wasn't there uh in the middle of your career you uh took two seasons and played in japan for the nippon ham fighters where uh, he had 51 home runs over those two seasons tell us what that experience was like uh, being immersed in such a different culture I quite I quite enjoyed it over there. It it was uh, the the, uh, the the people were great. The the uh, uh, travel was was okay. Baseball for me was the probably the most difficult part about being over there was uh, it was almost like Groundhog Day each day. Uh, we'd go and uh, we'd practice. Uh, they, they they put hours and hours and hours of, of practice in and. Uh, that's probably why, on the international scale, they're they're so good is because of how they the regimented uh, routines that they go through. Uh, everything is is very scripted, and and uh, the fundamentals they hammer the fundamentals. And uh, I enjoyed it there. Uh, I think that again, while you're there, if uh, if you don't take advantage of of scenarios that uh, they may pass you by. Um, you're there for eight eight months of the, out of the year, and it can be a very very lonely time because the the time that I was there, we we only had three foreign players on each team, so at, at times it could be very very lonely. Uh, but the, the 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 way they went about it, uh, uh, as far as the team aspect of it, I think I missed that uh, most of all. That was probably the most difficult part of it. The actual baseball, uh, they, they probably had the best pitching that I ever faced on a day-to-day basis because they had, you know, all their starters could throw five pitches for a strike. So it was very difficult as far as the pitching was concerned. Uh, but I did enjoy the experience. Rob, you, you were traded uh, from the Toronto Blue Jays in 1992 to California Angels and of course, as we know, the Toronto Blue Jays ended up going on to the World Series title. You must have somewhat mixed feelings about about that whole thing, being a Canadian, being you were in that organization and they went on to that success without you, but uh, you probably feel some ownership towards it as well. Uh, I was there from, uh, you know, I made the team out of spring training and, and I did not play very much, but I, I felt like uh, I was a part of that, that team. I, I had, I think, more innings played uh, defensively than I had at bats uh, we'd, you know, we'd be uh, winning 10 to 2 and uh, I'd go in the 7th inning play defense and, and didn't get an at bat it would, it would just be that type of scenario but uh, at the beginning of May of that year uh, I went into Jeff Ross the equipment manager I believe he's still the equipment manager now uh, and, and asked for a set of catcher's gear so I ended up catching the bullpens for the starters uh, so that Greg Myers and Pat Borders didn't have to catch bullpens. So 
I tried to make myself as, as useful as possible, uh, regardless of how much I played. Uh, so I, I, I did feel like I was part of uh, helping them, you know, get to a certain point. It's a definitely a classy move, uh, showing that kind of initiative. Um, now, you also, uh, kind of an unusual thing, there was a period later in your career where uh, you were uh, traded from the Phillies back to Toronto, and then... I think it was less than two weeks later you were back with the Phillies. Uh, explain for our uh, audience uh, what went on then. A lot of people say the uh, the Ducey for Ducey uh, trade uh, <laughs> uh, didn't quite happen like that, but it, it kind of ended up being that way. Uh, I think they just needed a, a place to put me for while uh, uh, Philadelphia was kind of restructuring. Uh, they, they traded uh, uh, Kurt Schilling and uh, it was like seven days. It wasn't very long at all. Uh, I, I was traded, and I, I was traded back, uh, uh, and I had to introduce myself to you know a quarter of, of the team a week <laughs> later because they had made so many different roster moves. Uh, to actually, Terry Francona, who was our manager, uh, he, he said to me when, <laughs> when I went into his office, uh, he said, oh, man, I'm, I'm glad you didn't say anything about us when you left. So <laughs> it would have been tough to get you back. Uh, our general manager, uh, I think, had a quote in the paper saying that we, uh, you know, we got back a, a more experienced uh, uh, player that, that we traded. It was kind of a... a, a I don't even know what it, what happened. It just a very very weird scenario. Yeah, it wasn't like a New England Patriots where they they sent you over there to find out what all the signals were and then come on back so you could uh, <laughs> get, get the playbook and bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. So, Rob, you've, you've received uh, quite a few accolades over your career. Um, you were inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in 2013 and, of course, the Cambridge Sports Hall of Fame in 1996. And Scott Walker says to say hello as well. And uh, you won the very prestigious Tip O'Neill Award throughout your career. Just share some thoughts on on those accolades that you received for your baseball. Well, again, I'm very, very fortunate to uh, have played uh, uh, the game of baseball for as long as I did, and uh, recognized for uh, you know playing playing the game. I I think that uh, uh, had it not been for you know a, a number of people along the way, that uh, it, it wouldn't have you know happened that way. And uh, I think that everyone is is put on the earth for a reason and and you know there's no way that uh you know growing up in 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 cambridge and especially at at that time of of, uh, uh, that i should have been involved in baseball because baseball really wasn't a very popular sport you know men's fast pitch in in cambridge anyway was way more popular uh and it just Worked out that uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to still be, and still be involved in the game. So uh, I'm very thankful for that, and I, I really don't know how to explain it. When you look at uh, the development system in Canada that uh, was available to you or not available to you, I guess as it may have been the case back then, versus um, the infrastructure that 
you know, Baseball Canada and the, and the Toronto Blue Jays in particular um, put into Ontario and Canada? Um, is it is it night and day, really, in comparison? Oh, there's no question. Uh, Jim Baba and Greg Hamilton of Baseball Canada have, have done a wonderful uh, job in, in developing young players. Uh, uh, they have uh, uh, so many more opportunities as far as uh, uh, going to to uh, uh, college and university in the United States than we did. Uh, it was it was almost unheard of uh, as far as a Canadian uh, going to the United States to to play baseball. And that was you know a handful of guys did that. Um, now it's very very prevalent and the travel ball is is huge. Um, so that the the grassroots program, maybe I was, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, Ferguson Jenkins prior to me and, uh, uh, you know, play, players after me, uh, Larry, Larry Walker and, and Matt Stairs and guys like Paul Quantrell. And uh, it goes on and on and on as far as the, the uh, players uh, after me uh, that the, the Canadians are now seen in a much, much different light as far as on the baseball field. Uh, because of, of the, the uh, job that Baseball Canada has done. Robert, just about out of time, but just before we let you go, you you uh, bookended your career with uh, Canadian teams. You started with the Jays, and you ended with the Montreal Expos for 27 games in 2001. What was it like to to play for the Montreal Expos, being a, a Canadian guy, and and where, how well were you received by the fans there? Uh, I, I obviously uh, I was an older player at that time, and and I I enjoyed my time. It was cut short. I ruptured my Achilles in uh, July of uh, 2001. Uh, I wish that uh, that wouldn't happen, but that was kind of the the dagger that that ended it all. Um, uh, I wish that uh, I would have had an opportunity to to play there longer. It was a, you know, we had Vladimir Guerrero and, and Jose Vidro, and, uh, you know, some young, young, uh, good players. Um, I, I, looking back, I think that it was a tremendous honor for me to be able to play for both the Blue Jays and the Expos, uh, and that that won't ever ever happen again because there's only the Blue Jays now. So. Uh, being a, a Canadian and, and having an opportunity to play for both teams, I think uh, Matt Stairs and uh, Dennis Boucher, I believe, is uh, the only other two. Am I, am I correct? Sean Hill, I believe, too. Sean Hill? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four of you in total, yeah. Uh, part of you know that opportunity. Uh, I've been very, very blessed as far as the things that have happened to me and, and the, the opportunities given to me and uh, tried to take full advantage of them. Well, uh, thanks so much for talking to us, Rob. You've been uh, fantastic sharing your insights. Uh, now, you mentioned Fergie Jenkins there a moment ago. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, by position some of the top Canadians. Uh, so I think we're all going to agree that Fergie Jenkins was the greatest Canadian pitcher of all time. Who, who would you put in the number two and number three slots? Uh golly, I have to go Larry Walker and uh, mm, probably Justin Morneau. Morneau next? Nice. Yeah. 
we can we can add that in when we're uh, we're fighting it out about the same topic in a few moments. Thank you so much for uh, talking mm-hmm. to us all the way from Florida. You've been fantastic, and uh, all the best for uh, the rest of the season. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. There you have it, Rob Ducey, the former major leaguer, of course, former Toronto Blue Jay player, a Cambridge, Ontario native. We'll take a break on baseball talk and be back with more right after this. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. Gray Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply in Hanover is this area's leader for all your interlocking stone and retaining wall solutions, including Canrock. They carry a wide selection of Aeroscraft, Permacon, and cultured stone products for all your landscaping projects as well as clay brick, carrying top quality products, including Hanson. Your first choice for landscape, septic, and masonry products. Visit Grey Bruce Brick at 525 First Street in Hanover, 519-364-7778, or visit greybrucebrick.ca. Grey Bruce Brick and Landscape Supply, proudly serving the community for over 50 years. Save instantly on energy-saving products such as LED light bulbs, power bars, dimmer switches, ceiling fans, and more with the Save on Energy coupon program. Visit your local Canadian Tire, Home Hardware, Rona, Giant Tiger, and TSC to save instantly. Or visit westereo.com to download the coupons of your choice. Coupons expire at the end of September, so catch the savings before they're gone. Save energy, save money with the Save on Energy coupon program. Go to westereo.com for details today. You're ready to buy that special car, minivan, or SUV, but are worried about finding a reliable used vehicle. This is Greg Lamb of Lamb Auto in Hanover. Come in and take a look at our quality used cars. I personally drive each one to ensure your purchase is reliable and ready for years of great service. Let the experience of Lamb Auto get you that reliable vehicle you will love. Lamb Auto is in Hanover beside Norm's Restaurant or online at lambauto.ca. Hi, I'm Chef Michael Smith, here to help Canadian families make healthy choices easy choices. I know a healthy food lifestyle can seem complicated, but really, it's nothing fancy, because simple cooking is healthy cooking. For instance, just fill half your plate with fruits and veggies. For lots more tasty tips and lots of great recipes, visit halfyourplate.ca. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. And welcome back to Baseball Talk. I'm Paul Hillier, along with Steve Fitzsimmons and Andy Clark, as always. And for the second half of the show today, we have a little special thing we're going to do. Uh, We are going to be choosing our Canadian All-Star team. Uh, We're going to pick a player from each position, uh, truly Canadian people, and uh, we're going to... See what we can come up with between the three of us. And Steve, if you want to lead us off. You know, I, I, I just want to say thanks to Rob Ducey as well. How apropos that we have a Canadian baseball player that leads us into this topic. And we actually had this topic selected before we knew Rob Ducey would be coming on. But it was great of him to join us. And, of course, he shared his thoughts. And, um, yeah, let's start with pitchers. And we'll do it first as starting pitchers and relievers. We'll break it down that way. But uh, probably the best player to ever play in the major leagues that's a Canadian is Ferguson Jenkins, who uh, was a starting pitcher, had a 284 and 226 career record, 3,192 strikeouts, which is the 12th most ever, 
And in 594 starts, guys, get this, 267 complete games. I mean, those numbers are just startling. And in an era when there was a lot more offense to baseball, he had a 3.34 earn run average in 4,500 and two-thirds career innings. I mean, uh, you know, he won the Cy Young in 1971 when he had a record of uh, 24 wins and uh, struck out 263 batters. So my starting pitcher in a no-brainer decision is uh, Fergie Jenkins. Paul? Yeah, and I, th- I think we've all got to agree on Fergie Jenkins. I mean, he he was the first and the best. And um, still is the best. I came up with another one, a young guy that I watched play in in the – Late 90s, early 2000s, Ryan Dempster he played most of his uh, time when I watched him for the Miami Marlins, who were the Florida Marlins back then. And so you're I, talking as an as a sort of as an a, honorable, as a, mention honorable mention? As an honorable mention, because yep. we all know Fergie Jenkins was the best at it. Yep. Uh, you know, he had a couple of all-star appearances and spent nine years with the with the um, Cubs in yep. Florida. He so. was a, certainly a serviceable Very solid. Uh, major league baseball pitcher, yeah. To uh, piggyback in off of uh, Fergie Jenkins first, and then I'll come around to Ryan Dempster, but... Uh, we were mentioning that uh, great physical specimen too. He's about six foot five, and I was reading that he sometimes uh, would uh, sit in with the Harlem Globetrotters in the off season. He's just a great all around athlete like that. Had six twenty one, uh, uh, sorry, uh, six seasons uh, consecutive of twenty plus wins, and he's one of only. Yeah, what would he get paid today? Yeah, if he did that. It'd be huge, eh? Yeah, um, and. Uh, He's one of only four pitchers in Major League history to have more than 3,000 strikeouts and less than 1,000 walks. So you could just go on and on and on. Uh, with Ryan, Dems- Ryan Dempster, a very serviceable starter there with his 132 wins, but he also had 87 saves along the way. So he, he actually had a substantial career as a reliever and a starter. Great segue, Andy. So <laughs> let's uh, delve into uh, relievers. And so uh, my choice for the best reliever uh, as a Canadian, is Eric Gagne. And, you know, I know, Andy, you're going to dispute that and you feel it's a little controversial because of some things that happened. But, you know, he had 55 saves and 55 opportunities in 2003 with the Dodgers, won the Cy Young Award that year with a microscopic 1.20. He was virtually unhittable. Let's be honest about it. He was unbelievable. And he had 152 saves in 100 or in a, he saved 152 games in 158 save situations from 2002 to 2004 in that 3 year period he's probably the greatest reliever in the history of major league baseball it certainly could be argued um, he had elbow surgery and and wasn't near the player after that but he had a total of 187 saves which is uh, the top figure by far for any canadian player that's a, that's a good arguable comment though yep. I went with a, a slightly older guy, uh, a John Hiller, okay. played from 1965 to 1980. At one time, he had the record in 38 saves for the season in 1973. I know that's been blown out of the water by now, but you go back to the baseball of that time, it was a different game altogether. Yeah, they didn't really uh, throw guys into save situations no. you know, as a deliberate sort of And they were often maneuver. three innings, yeah. They yeah. often had to pitch three innings when for you, it. Yeah. yeah, when you can pitch several three three inning shutouts, you're, or shutout saves, you're doing really good for yourself. And he had a whip of one two six, ERA under three. I mean, for that time period, that that was a great relief pitcher at that time. Yeah, he had one season where he had uh, 17 wins yeah. as a reliever, and, uh, and that's in, on top of the fact right in the middle of his career, he actually missed a season because he had a heart attack yeah. in 1971 wow. and came back and continued on. So I, I also had uh, John Hiller on there with. Uh, with an honorable mention to John Axford, who uh, 
who was the 2011 Rolaids Relief Award winner there, to cycle back to the Eric Gagne thing. And I, I've had the I, same thing I said about Roger Clemens, is I always think that, you know what, without the steroids, what would have happened then, right? So, you know, for all we know, he might have been a triple-A marginal major leaguer if he hadn't taken the artificial support and the artificial help. So... You know what? I, the way I look at that era is everybody pretty well was on the. Stuff. A lot of yeah. them did. A and, you know, of, yeah. it was a leveling of the playing field for half of baseball, I think. And it's unfortunate for the guys that weren't, to, because they might have been stars and ended up only being a serviceable major league ba- baseball player because of all these other guys. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand your argument, but I don't think we can say yeah. that he isn't. You know, when I, when I see success. those when I see those guys who are on the roids, right? Then you do think of the guy that maybe. What? Was a marginal big leaguer, never made the big money, slugged it out, decided to have the ethics, and then, you know, topped out at AAA and is out doing something else right now without all the accolades. And that's what, it's just from the sporting element, I tend to steer away from those steroid guys. Okay, well, there you go. So let's move on to uh, first base, guys. And uh, this gentleman still plays in the Major League Baseball. Uh, Joey Votto is uh, the best first baseman in my estimation. He ranks 13th among all Major League Baseball batters in history in on-base average, which is interesting. Uh, he has 241 home runs and 809 runs batted in. Um, his lifetime batting average go- recently was at 312. And uh, although Justin Morneau has more career home runs and RBIs, um, I think Votto is, pr- is probably going to surpass him, Larry Walker as well. Um, Votto... Had a gold glove in 2011 as well, so he's he's a good player in the field, and he, of course, has participated in four All-Star games, and he was the National League Most Valuable Player in 2010 when he hit 37 home runs, had 113 runs batted in, and batted 324. So, you know, this guy, he, he and he's led the National League in on-base percentage five times. I mean, this guy's a legitimate future Hall of Famer, I think, without question, and, uh, you know, a pretty easy selection for me to have him as our first baseman on the all-Canadian team. And I have to agree with you on that. I mean, I'd like not to, but you know what it is. Yeah. Uh, Joey Votto has had a great career so far, yeah. and he is, if he continues the way he's going right now, he's going to obliterate a lot of the numbers for Canadian players. For sure. Um, I also gave honorable mention in this particular category to Matt Stairs. Yep. I was always a big fan of him and and some of the pitchers that he must have faced, they must have been just terrified watching that guy at the plate cuz he was a big bulky guy. He could knock the ball out of the park and he was just incredible to watch. Uh, you know, another guy 250 plus home runs, over 800 RBIs in his career. You know, 899 actually one short of 900 RBIs. Yeah. yeah. Big shoulders on him too. I mean, yeah. he could just get into a ball and Pride obliterate it. He also has the record uh, for actually uh, most uh, pinch hit home runs in Major League history. Uh, what is that? Twenty, twenty-three, twenty-eight. I don't even know. I don't have that number in front of me. I just know he has the record. Yeah, so. it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's kind of good and bad, right? You, you were in that role because you maybe weren't good enough to play all the time, but you were good enough to do that. And also, you know, maybe it reflects on. You know, you were a veteran player that couldn't run very good anymore, and you know, but you had that power. So yeah. I don't know how to read that particular accolade in a yeah. way. But um, Matt but yeah. played a lot of games in the outfield too, which is another 
consideration if we're talking about greatest first baseman. He played a fair bit of first base, but a lot of outfield, too. Right. Yeah, he did. Uh, I was going to tease Rob Ducey, actually, because uh, <laughs> that was a, a stat that shocked me when I was doing this, is that Matt Stairs had 30 career steals, and uh, Rob Ducey only had 22. Really? Yeah, yeah <laughs> which when you look at their frames, you wouldn't think that. But Strange. then it occurred to me, Matt Stairs had a huge number of... Uh, Played appearances. You know what? Yeah. I mean, for yeah. people that speaking of Rob Ducey, I mean, for people that didn't see Rob Ducey play, I mean, the, the comparable player, I guess, for me right now with the Jays is he was like Ezekiel Carrera type of thing. Would yeah. you guys agree? Well rounded, yeah. Yep. Different build, of course, but yep. they play the same way. But yeah. yeah, I mean, defensive replacement had a bit of pop in his bat. You know, had good speed. You know, was he kind of the utility guy? Um, he's kind of the he he was the Ezekiel Carrera of today type of thing back then for the Jays in my mm-hmm. sort of estimation. Yeah. And for first base, then I guess uh, other honorable mentions. We obviously have to give it to Morneau. Yeah, Justin Morneau. Yeah, yeah. And there was a Freddie Freeman who uh, was born and raised in the USA, but he had a dad from Peterborough and a mom from Windsor. He was a two-time All Star, had more than a thousand hits, 160 home runs, uh, approaching 600 RBIs. So if you consider Freddie Freeman Canadian. He'd be in that conversation of really, really good Canadian first baseman. Is he, is he still playing? Is he not? For Freddie the- Freeman? Uh, no, he was a little. Or is he still playing? I think he is actually. I think he plays for the Braves. Enough. Yes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. So that's uh, first base. Uh, so a general agreement on Joey Votto. Yeah. yeah. And probably yeah. a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. I think so. And his stats are, in a lot of ways, very, very similar to Larry Walker's, too. They are. And we'll yeah. get to that a little bit later on. But uh, so when we move across the diamond to second base, we don't quite have the uh, plethora of players to choose from that we have at some other positions. And so we have to dig all the way back to 1880 to 1891 to find Charles Pop Smith from Digby, Nova Scotia, who played in 1112 Major League games, had over 1,000 hits, and had, interestingly enough, 169 career stolen bases. And they only logged stolen bases for about half of his career. So, you know, that's only in the latter stages of his career. So he probably had more like 300 plus, but they didn't actually track that stat back then. Um, as a statistic and um, you know he was just basically a serviceable 250 type hitter but defensively he's very good and he had an interesting uh, day on April 17th 1890 when he reached base six times in six official trips to the plate without registering an at-bat he had five walks and was hit by a pitch so he reached base six times and that was the first time that a player actually accomplished that so we're reaching a little deep but Charles Pop Smith is my second baseman, guys. And you know why he was hit by the pitch on that time? Because that was probably the sixth at bat, and the pitcher <laughs> probably figured he'd walked them five times. He may as well just give it to them this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, were, they weren't allowed just to grant them the base back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Strangely enough, I, I actually stuck with a guy current for okay. my second baseman, and, and it's mostly because of defensive capabilities. Okay. Um, I went with Canadian Brett Laurie, who played for the Blue Jays. Um, he was he was Josh Donaldson at third before Josh was a, as yep. a player. Uh, not quite as much pop in the bat as Mr. Donaldson has, but uh, he moved over to second base once uh, Donaldson came in, and he was great defensively. He was lights out. Um, some you know some pop in the bat. He had seventy one home runs. Yep. Uh, injuries unfortunately have uh, ceased his career for the time being. Uh, he may be back or he may not be, but. Uh, when they were in, uh, ahead at the, late in the game, he was the defensive guy to go to, and uh, that, that's where I went. Uh, and Chicago almost exclusively used him at second base there, yeah. his last uh, last season he played. So that, that's where I went for second base, Andy. Okay. 
Um, uh, just to round out some other people that were in the conversation, but I, I agreed with Pop Smith. Uh, I, I also had him as number one. Mark Tian I looked at. He was another case where he was born and raised in the USA and uh, had Canadian parents. Now, I, I don't think he's quite eligible in the sense that he only became a Canadian in 2009, which was pretty much right in the middle of his career. And his numbers actually tailed off quite a bit after that. He represented us on the national team, and he just never quite played as well after that. Uh, Pete Orr obviously uh, played a, a lot of games at second base, and uh, David McKay was the only Canadian David on the original McKay. Blue Jay team. Yep. And uh, not spectacular numbers there, but they had decent major league careers. Dave McKay still a member of the coaching staff of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, actually, to this day. Um, certainly I mean, was a day one Toronto Blue Jay. So interesting. So we move over to uh, shortstop, and again, you know, we're reaching into the dearth of Major League Baseball to find um, the best player to ever play as a Canadian, and that would be Arthur Doc Irwin. And if you don't know who Arthur Doc Irwin is, I don't blame you at all because he was a gifted shortstop over his 11-year Major League career, and he was a 241 hitter in 1,010 Major League games. But that was back in 1883, but... The thing that uh, people will remember mostly about Arthur Doc Irwin is he actually invented the use of a glove for playing in the field. And so he was playing for the Providence Grays in 1883 and broke two fingers on his left hand and then used an oversized buckskin driving glove with a stuffed lining to shield the injury so that he wouldn't miss any games playing. You know, these tough Canadians, right? Uh, yeah, tough and innovative, innovative too. Innovative, right? too. Yeah. And so he then sewed the third and fourth fingers together in, in a padded glove. And uh, suddenly everybody was using what they dubbed the uh, Arthur Irwin glove. And uh, here we are today. Of course, that's commonplace. Nobody plays without a glove. But it all came from Arthur Doc Irwin. So innovator, reasonable, shortstop, not a superstar, but uh, remembered Probably more for the glove than than anything else, but uh, you know he was a serviceable shortstop in Major League Baseball, guys. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he also was a minor league owner. He uh, was a major league umpire, I believe, at some, at some point. He was involved. He was a scout. He was a coach. He pretty much did everything in the game. And another interesting side note there, uh, away from baseball, after he passed away, they found out that he was actually a bigamist, and that he had a <laughs> wife and family in one city and another wife and family in another city, which they didn't find out until after he passed away. He kept a pretty good secret then. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... He that, must have been on the road all the time. <laughs> well, and I guess the life of baseball, he would be on the road, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, so yeah. 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 And I spent a lot of time searching everywhere trying to find another shortstop to they even, even to give honorable mention, and they just don't exist around here. So if you've got young people out there playing baseball growing up in Canada now and they can play shortstop... Tell them to keep playing because we need some Canadian shortstops <laughs> yeah. to make our list for next year. Because really, uh, the, the second place, the honorable mention, would probably go to Kevin Nicholson, who in 2000 played a few games for uh, San Diego, and he hit 216, had one home run and eight RBIs. Not so, exactly uh, you know, a household name, but at least he made it. So yeah. there, there is a young guy getting a lot of buzz. Uh, he was drafted uh, early round, second round by the Orioles, I believe, last year. Adam Hall is his name. And... Uh, He's, uh, he's only had nine at-bats in the minor so far, but there's a lot of hype around him that he might be the the guy, the next guy to claim the, sta- the, the, the shortstop crown for Canadians. Well, the crown has been waiting for him for a long time, <laughs> so we'll see what happens with Adam Hall. We're going to take another break on Baseball Talk, and we'll be back with more right after this. BWR 91.3, the place to be. 
Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Here's something new for summer. It's out-of-this-world fish and chips at Riverside Campground and Store. That's at the corner of Concession 10 and Mulock Road at Crawford, just north from Highway 4 at the Bulldozer. Choose from their large menu, which includes hamburgers, footlongs with generous portions, all cooked especially for you, and then cool down with one of their great ice cream treats. Out of This World Fish and Chips are open Monday to Saturday, 11.30 till 2, and from 4.30 till 8. Fish and Chips are closed Wednesday and then Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Pre-orders can be taken at 519-369-5369. This area's best fish and chips. They're out of this world and just a short summer drive from anywhere. Join us in Hanover this summer. We've got an experience for you. Enjoy live music, harness racing and theater, play the spots, or family recreational activities. Tour our vibrant downtown featuring great shopping and events. Taste our locally brewed, handcrafted beer and the many dining options. This is just a snapshot of what awaits you. See Cuneo's Carpet One Floor and Home for all your ceramic tile projects. Discover more at Hanover.ca. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses, too? Hey, Colligan Man! A Colligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Soft water is the answer. Not cleaning products or detergents. Colligan saves you up to 50% on soaps and detergents while turning your laundry, bathroom, and kitchen brilliant, like me. Hey, Colligan Man! This is Adam and Jen Olivero. Join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on Blue Water Radio for what's happening in Hanover. On the show, we feature local businesses, nonprofit organizations, and residents to discover new events and discover interesting things to do in and around the area. That's what's happening in Hanover with Jen and Adam Olivero, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on Blue Water Radio and on Whiteman TV Channel 6. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Welcome back into the Baseball Talk studios in lovely Hanover, Ontario. I'm Steve Fitzsimmons along with Paul Hillier and Andy Clark, and we're just running down the greatest Canadian baseball players by position of all time. And, of course, uh, we were pleased to have uh, Rob Ducey join us in the first half hour of our show, the former Blue Jay Montreal Expo and, of course, a Canadian himself from Cambridge, Ontario. So very apropos to have him in this episode. But as we move along to uh, look at at third base, um, it's a a position that there wasn't a lot of depth there either, guys, uh, in terms of um, superstar players that, that played as a Canadian. And the guy I have is is Corey Koski, 
And he did play in 989 career games, had 124 home runs, 506 runs batted in in his nine Major League Baseball seasons. Um, His best year was probably 2001. He had... uh, he scored 100 runs, had 26 home runs, uh, batted in 103 with the Twins, stole 27 bases, and had a career uh, average that year of 275 in, in batting average. So, you know, and he hit 300 twice in his career, played with the Blue Jays a little bit, but uh, really, you know, was kind of an injured player by the time he rolled around at that situation. And it really, you know, he rounded up with the, the Milwaukee Brewers when he suffered his concussion to end his career. So, you know, I think when you think of Corey Koski, it's maybe what could have been had he stayed a little more healthy. You know, he was a good player. He was a talented player, but his numbers would have been, I think, greatly enhanced had he just stayed a little bit healthier, guys. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what he what he could have accomplished in the next nine years if he didn't have all the injuries to deal with. Right. Yes, yeah, the pride of Enola, Manitoba there, but I agree. Uh, career cut short, but he definitely stands out. There's no argument he's the best Canadian third baseman at this point. So we moved to catcher, and and again, you know, um, this is a position where uh, I have Russell Martin, the current Toronto Blue Jays catcher. Of course, we know he's a Canadian from Montreal, Quebec, and uh, he's probably, for me, one of the best 10 or 15 catchers of all time. In, in terms of batting and fielding categories, and when he find, when he when he hangs things up, I think his numbers will will put him in that sort of stead. Um, he ha- he has 169 home runs currently and 705 runs batted in, in just over 1500 career games and 6,000 at bats. And he's also one of the few catchers that has both power and speed. I mean, we know, you know, he's he he he's had over 100 career stolen bases. Um, six times in his career, he's thrown out more would-be base stealers than any other catcher in the league. So defensively, I mean, he's a stopper as well. Uh, he has a gold glove to his credit in 2007 with the Los Angeles Dodgers in four All-Star games. And you know what? Uh, he Another stat that he leads all Canadians in history in is 57 career games played in the postseason, which is by far oh, well. the biggest total among all Canadian players in history. And we know which teams we have to thank for that. Yes, we do. You know, a little bit with the Toronto Blue Jays. A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm in agreement with this. I mean, I haven't. I didn't come across too many other catchers either that would have been able to take that title away from him. So uh, Russell Martin is also my choice. So here, here's a question for Russell Martin. Then, given his offensive numbers are really good, but they're not superstar. Right. But he he is spectacular defensively, as you said, throwing out runners and all of that. Is he going to be in the conversation for a Hall of Fame? I think he's just below the conversation for Hall of Fame, but you never know. I mean, if he can get firmly offensively entrenched as, you know, in that 12 to 15 range for offensive statistics, then I'd say yes. He's not there yet. He, You know, I'm projecting out over his career. But uh, if he can continue the pace he's had, which I don't think he can as what we've seen this year, but if he is able to kind of re-ratchet up his offense, then yes, I'd say yes. But definitely... A contender for the Canadian Baseball oh, Hall of Fame. He's, he's, he's an automatic. Yeah, he's a lock. He's a yeah, lock for sure, there, yeah. for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move to outfielders. And I have, uh, you know, a trio of outfielders, and I know you guys will chime in as well. And my three are Larry Walker, Terry Poole, and Jason Bay. So let's start with Larry Walker. I mean, he's probably the greatest offensive uh, player as as a as a uh, Canadian in, in history. There's no question about that. He had 383 home runs. 1,311 runs batted in, a career 313 hitter. And, uh, 
You know, he had a 400 on base percentage, seven gold gloves defensively, three batting titles offensively, and was the NL MVP, and he was a multiple-time All-Star. Um, I mean, this guy could do it all. He was Mr. Everything. Um, you know, he he had an 18-year career. He played, of course, for the Montreal Expos as well, which, is, which uh, was nice and represented them at the All-Star game. But, I mean... He was just Mr. Consistency, really, guys, uh, when I think about Larry Walker. Yeah, he, he could do everything. And, I mean, even defensively, he wasn't the liability that some outfielders are that have the powers that he had. He was good in the outfield. He had a great number. He was of, a five-tool player. Yeah, know, like absolutely. We, yep. So he's, he's definitely the number one outfielder out, out of the Canadian players. So then I have uh, Terry Poole. Who, sorry, sorry, before we leave Larry Walker, though, sure. I do have to say... He's not in the Hall of Fame yet. And but he will be. It's a bit of a travesty because he's been passed over quite a few times now, yeah. and they need to get on that. Like This past year, I think, what was it? He only got like 20% of the support he needed or whatever, 10% of the votes. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he does. I agree. And he will be, I believe. So Terry Poole is a guy I have on my list. He had a 15-year career, largely known for the Houston Astros. Um, he was probably a better fielder um, than he was a hitter. Um, in fact, he had the highest fielding percentage of any outfielder in Major League history when he retired, which at that time was .993, which has since been broken. But I think it's safe to say he's been one of the, he was one of the best defensive outleaders, outfielders in the history of the game. Um, he was like a vacuum out there, sort of like Devon White that way. And, uh, you know, he, um, he, he was very good in the postseason. He had uh, 372 average in 13 games in the National League Championship Series. He was a 280 career hitter with 1,361 base hits in, in his 1,531 games. So he also had 217 stolen bases. So, you know, solid but unspectacular, but a good, solid player, Terry Poole. And when, you know, when we've touched on Larry Walker, it's hard to put second and third in because they are quite a distance it's a away. It's a drop off, yeah. Um, I didn't have Terry in my top three. Um, my, probably my second guy would be Jeff Heath. Okay. Um, he played from the, in the 30s and 40s, so you know a lot of people aren't not going to know the name. But I like guys that can do everything, uh, like the speed, the extra base hits. I mean, home runs and, and that are great. But Jeff Heath did a little bit of everything. He had 279 yep. doubles, over 100 triples in his career, just shy of 200 homers, and just shy of 900 RBIs with a 293 average for his for his career. And in 14 years. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, he played for an Atlanta Braves team that was probably not the best at the time. So when you can put up numbers like that with a mediocre team, you know you're doing pretty well. Especially because baseball is such a different game today than it was then. Yeah, he's certainly in the conversation. We just have a few minutes left here, guys. My other guy was Jason Bay, um, and his career totals were uh, 222 home runs and 754 runs batted in. He had a 266 average and 97, 95 stolen bases. Uh, originally drafted by the Montreal Expos, but fate was not with him, where he ended up getting traded. And uh, he ended up debuting for the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he batted 306 with 32 home runs and 101 runs batted in, uh, with and also had 21 stolen bases and 22 attempts, which led him to be the NL Rookie of the Year for the Pirates that year. So, um, yep. you know... Solid, unspectacular, just a decent career, but uh, you know had some some good spikes there and started yeah. off like a house on fire. I had uh, Larry Walker and Jason Bay too. Uh, I gave Matt Stairs the nod over uh, Terry Poole um, just because they had almost the exact number of hits. Matt Stairs had five more hits in his career, but he had uh, two hundred more home runs 
and almost double the RBIs. So just on the offensive stats, I gave that. Sure. And I want to throw out the name of Tip O'Neill, which is the award for the best Canadian in the major leagues gets every year and he actually was a player back uh, from 83 to 92 and we mentioned rob ducey won that award and rob yes, ducey won it and george selkirk uh five times hit over 300 going way back for that one but i'd have to say george selkirk uh definitely in the conversation and, well george won five world series so yeah. i mean you know that's that's a, that's a big deal even even though it is you know almost 100 years ago now and, and he had to replace uh babe ruth as the yankees wow. right fielder yep. so he had, he had a talk about to, pressure big shadow to yeah. emerge from just with the, in the final minute here, guys. Uh, just your, we talked off air, and I mentioned this this question. We'll throw it out to our viewers and listeners. What is the most Canadians um, position players ever to be on a major league uh, team at the same time? So I'll give you a th- second to think about that. The answer is three, and it was with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays in April 2015, and that was Russell Martin. Dalton Pompey and Michael Saunders. So there you go. So that was the most on the field at the same time. That is correct. Yeah, and not well. including pitchers because that happens, yeah. you know, off and on here. I wonder what the record for most on a roster at the same time is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know on that, but uh, you know, it's probably four maybe or something, who knows. Yeah. Like I'm thinking there was there was there might have been a pitcher on a roster like that. The, uh, yeah, I wonder if the Jays back in the early 90s they had Rich and Rob Butler I yeah, think at the right. same time as Rob yep. Ducey, so I don't know if they had anyone beyond those three on yeah, the roster. Right. They, they, yeah, they certainly wouldn't say. be on the field at the same time, though. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, it's hard to say. But uh, you know what? There's been some great Canadians playing Major League Baseball, guys. And and uh, this was a good episode to sum them up. And also, uh, we want to thank uh, Rob Ducey, the former Major Leaguer, with both the Jays, Montreal Expos, and elsewhere, Canadian as well, for joining us right here on Baseball Talk. We'll be back with more next week in the studios of Baseball Talk.